Let us pray. Heavenly Father, indeed, we, we thank you so much for gathering us here in this place to, to come together to worship you either here in person or online, uh, to offer up praises and as well to dive into your word, this book of numbers here. God, what do you have to teach us today? Reveal that to us and all this we pray. Amen. All right, so for those of you who are new, we just want to say thank you so much for coming out. And as well, this is our teaching service. So our teaching service might be a little bit different than maybe other services or our morning services where we uh, start a book of the Bible and we pretty much go verse by verse and we read it and we discuss it. And yes, I say discuss it because I have an iPad up here and look at this it's sad it's blank okay we we need some words on here and this ipad we have uh it says at the bottom here of this screen or if you're watching online it's at the very bottom of your screen you can actually text a question and i'll receive it up here and then i will do my very best to answer it all right so as Rich had mentioned here, we are in the book of Numbers. And so if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and crack that guy open to Numbers chapter 7, and we're going to start in verse 1. And if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We're going to put all the verses here on the screen. But I think it is just something special about actually being able to either crack open a physical Bible or get you used to using, uh, like, say, the Bible Gateway app or something uh, on your phone. And so, but we certainly have it on the screen here as well. So chapter 7 of Numbers starts off with, with this, where, so God's people, if you recall, were freed from slavery. God delivered them, and they then were able to cross uh, the Red Sea, and they were able to get to the other side, and they got to Mount Sinai. And Mount Sinai is whenever they received God's covenant, and they received God's laws and his instruction. And so now they're ready to go to the promised land. And so it begins here in chapter 7, verse 1, and it says this. It says, on the day when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle and had anointed and consecrated it with all its furnishings and had anointed and consecrated the, the altar with all its utensils. All right, we're one verse in and already we're going to stop and talk about this. All right, a few things are happening here. So Moses here is finishing setting up the tabernacle. So the tabernacle is the place of worship, it is the place of, of sacrifices. Basically, a, a big tent, as we're going to read here, was, was carried with um, the, the oxen and the uh, uh, carts and everything. And, and it's mobile. And so that's the point here is that God's presence resides here in the tabernacle. And what they start off, they do here to to create the tabernacle for worship is they, they have its furnishings, the way that God had instructed them, and they anointed, but here's the thing, they consecrated the altar with all its utensils, and they consecrated. And if you have a Bible, and especially if you have a pen or pencil or something, uh, circle or underline that word consecrated. Because there's a theme all throughout Scripture, certainly going to get in the Old Testament, certainly going to get in the New Testament. There's a theme where God consecrates things. He actually sets some things aside, some things apart to be holy. So throughout the Bible, there is the, there's the common, there's the ordinary, and then there is the holy. 
And, and, and I know, in our culture today, we typically look down on a lot of holy things. We think that, well, it's, it's not really that holy, but, but to God they are. And, and I know our culture doesn't probably take that uh, serious enough, but God, throughout Scripture, sets apart certain things to be holy. And so for me, I think that this is actually very relevant because what did we just practice and some for the first time? We practiced communion. And God here sets apart communion, the sacrament of the altar, to be something that is holy. And so going on to verse 2 here, it says, The chiefs of Israel, the heads of their fathers' houses, who were the chiefs of the tribes, who were over those who were listed, approached and brought their offerings before the Lord, six wagons and twelve oxen, a wagon for every two of the chiefs, and for each one an ox. They brought them before the tabernacle. So the, the chiefs of Israel, the heads of the fathers' houses here, these leaders of these tribes here, are now bringing these wagons and these oxen to, for the purpose then of being able to carry the tabernacle, to be able to make the tabernacle then portable. And then here's what it says in verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Accept these from them, that they may be used in the service of the tent of meeting, in this case now the tabernacle, and give them to the Levites, to each man according to his service. So the Levites, by the way, if you're wondering, like, who are these people? Well, the Levites are one of the 12 tribes of Israel. So if you remember all the way back in the Old Testament, Jacob, uh, he had 12 sons, and Jacob was also renamed by God to be Israel. So these 12 sons then became the 12, their descendants then became the 12 tribes of Israel. And, and so that's how their, uh, that's their identity, really all throughout the Old Testament, that's, that's their family, that's their people. And so the Levites were one of the 12 tribes. And as I had said last week in my historical minute, which should have been this week, right? But that's okay. But the, uh, the Levites are kind of interesting because it comes from Levi. And Levi, he was actually very uh, violent towards this, this group of people. And so whenever Jacob, at the, the end of Jacob's life, he's giving these blessings and he's prophesying to each of the tribes, one of the things that he prophesies to Levi is that his descendants will not inherit a land, but rather will be scattered throughout Israel. And what's kind of interesting is that God absolutely fulfills that promise, but here's how he fulfills the promise. See, the Levites here are actually given a very special role. And even though that Levi did actually something very wrong, uh, it really does show God's grace that he chose the Levites, not because of, but rather in spite of their sin. It really shows God's grace of choosing them and setting them apart to be a, a special tribe. It, uh, in chapter 8, which we'll probably get to, uh, he actually talks about how he's going to consecrate them for himself. So the Levites are for himself. And so the Levites, what they do is they, whenever they inherit the promised land, they were not given their own section of the land, kind of like the other tribes were, but instead they were to live among the people. And Aaron's sons, who were uh, a group within the Levites, became priests, 
And then as well, um, the rest of the Levites were given this role of caring for the tabernacle and maintaining it and helping out. And so really, if you think of it like, uh, you know, in a church service, you have uh, people who uh, have different roles to help worship function, but then also there's those who, who do some behind-the-scenes work that we don't see who are here, um, you know, on whatever, Saturday night at midnight, and they're, they're doing something, they're helping out in, in some way. That was the role here of, of the Levites. They were to take care of and they were to help uh, transport the tabernacle. So what Moses is saying here is that whenever now these, these uh, carts come, he's saying, um, and that's an offering then from these, these tribes, Moses is saying um, to give them to the Levites, each according to his service. And then in verse 6, so Moses took the wagons and the oxen and gave them to the Levites. And in verse 7, two wagons and four oxen he gave to the sons of Gershon according to their service. And then in verse 8, and four wagons and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Merari according to their service under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. And then in verse 9, but the sons of Koath he gave none because they were charged with the service of the holy things that had to be carried on the shoulder. So do you notice how, uh, how we read this here? We talk about how they are being charged to carry um, the service of holy things. And so, so even within the tabernacle here, that God is actually uh, separating things that are holy and, and common and ordinary. And it, it's, it's not just the Levites, but it's, it's specifically from this clan here of Koath. The Koathites are given this role of carrying the holy things. And by the way, I have, our staff does a, 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 a Bible study throughout the week, and and so this is actually a note that I have from our, our Bible study when we we're going through this. Um, but apparently, if you guys remember, uh, we have Uzzah, who was, or Uzzah, Uzzah, I, we'll, we'll go with Uzzah sounds cool. All right. So he was, uh, he was working with King David. And he, David asked Uzzah, Uzzah to, to actually carry the Ark of the Covenant and on an oxen. And whenever it fell, he touched it. And he got struck down and he died. And we look at that and say, whoa, I mean, that's kind of extreme because, yeah, they broke several of God's commandments, but what's the big deal? All he did was he touched it. And the answer is, well, they broke several of the commandments that God had set up for carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which was a holy thing. And by the way, and I just kind of have this as a note, so I'm just going to mention it, is that Uzzah here was not, um, he was not a Kohathite. He was not a Levite. He was not specifically a Kohathite. And so only this group, they're in charge of carrying the holy things. And then in verse 10, And the, the chiefs offered offerings for the dedication of the altar on the day it was anointed, and the chiefs offered their offering before the altar. And the Lord said to Moses, They shall offer their offerings, one chief each day, for the dedication of of the altar. So now they're going to dedicate the altar, and they're also now going to bring their offerings to God. Now, if we go to the next verse here, and for the rest of this chapter, which I promise you we're not going to read word for word, and there's a reason. I'm going to get to it. But what's going to happen now is that the chiefs of each of these tribes are now going to come, and they're going to present their offering to the Lord. And I want us to really kind of if we're going to take 
anything away from, from tonight to, to take this away, of this whole concept of, of bringing an offering to God. In, in this case, what they brought was they brought silver and gold, and then they brought, um, well, even earlier, they brought the oxen and the carriages and everything. And now they're also going to bring other livestock uh, for sacrificing and for the Levites to, to have as food. And so what we have to look at here is that each tribe is bringing an offering to God. Now, why would they do that? Well, let's think back for just one second. So they were enslaved in Egypt, and their treatment was harsh. Uh, in fact, whenever Moses came, Pharaoh even increased their workload. And so they had brutal, harsh treatment. And then God performed some of the most phenomenal miracles he has ever performed in human history. The Israelites and the Egyptians got to see God at work do incredible things. Uh, things that, for the first three plagues, that their priests were able to emulate, the priest of the Egyptian deities, Ra, but the remaining seven, they were not. God was really showing who was God, and as well, he, he punished the Egyptians for their treatment of his people. And, and even some things happened so weirdly that, that it only would affect the Egyptians and, and would protect the Israelites. And so, so you got to imagine that here they are experiencing all this, and then they cross the Red Sea, and they did have a moment of weakness of idolatry, but also they are now bringing their offerings to God to say, God, thank you. And throughout scripture, we actually see this whole concept of offering being brought up as a way of saying, God, thank you. And, and every time that I go through scripture and I see this kind of stuff, I, I have to be convicted because there are, God has performed miracles in my life that, that I am so thankful for. And, and I tell God, thank you. And he hears that prayer. Uh, but, but also, I, I guess I'm just, upon reflecting on this, being stretched just a little bit to think, well, you know what? As a way of saying thanks to God, what if, what if we made an offering to God? You know, what if it's not just simply words, but, but what if we were to also uh, make a sacrifice of some kind and, and to be able to, to, um, to give an offering? And that's what God's people did here was they gave shekels and they gave livestock, a way of saying, God, thank you. And also, I'm really appreciative of Rich for doing all that research and all that math. I have no idea where he got those figures from, but we're all just going to believe it tonight, right? That it was something like $267,000 total. And that's what they did. Each tribe made a sacrifice and they gave an offering. They gave an offering of, of thanksgiving to God in this way. And so what, what we're going to see throughout the rest of this chapter is that God's people or each tribe is going to give a certain set of offerings. And then we're just going to hit copy paste and change the name of the tribe. All right. For, for all the tribes. And so what we're going to do is we are going to go through one of them and then that's it. Okay. Then we don't need to go through all of them because it's literally copy paste. But I want you to see what they give here. So in verse 12, it said, he who offered his offering the first day, because they do it each day. So 
I was wrong. It's not just they changed the name of the tribe, also the day. Okay, so one each day. The first day was Nation, the son of Abimadad, of the tribe of Judah. And his offering was one silver plate whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver basin of 70 shekels, and, and shekels would be uh, it's a Hebrew currency. And let's see here. Oh, yeah. According to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one golden dish of 10 shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd. So now we've moved from coins now to livestock. One bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering. Okay, you know what? Let's pause there right there. So there are also different sacrifices um, that God's people are commanded in the book of, Le- of Leviticus. And so if you were here, um, I don't know, when was it, like a year ago? And you remember all the different kinds of sacrifices from the book of Leviticus, then, then congratulations. Also, um, just so you know, we've got them all archived on our website. And so you could go back and actually rewatch uh, that section there from Leviticus, I believe. Well, chapter one is when it starts off with the offerings. But there's different kinds of offerings that they present. And and uh, the burnt offering would be, in this case, like a, a bull or a ram, and, and they would lay it across the altar, and then it, the aroma pleased the Lord. And so it was a burnt offering, and, and they started off all their big festivals and their big worship gatherings that way, where it, it, they would first start off, and, and it, it was so much that the smoke offering, the aroma pleased the Lord, but, but also notice that it was something that was very costly, so it was definitely a sacrifice, like in the literal sense of, of it cost them something. Um, but also notice the blood had to be shed. And the reason why blood had to be shed in these offerings was because of sin. And so the wages of sin is death. And so they would sacrifice these animals on behalf of, of the people. And so, so we have here a burnt offering. And then we also, there's different offerings though. In verse 16, one male goat for a sin offering. So now the sin offering is different than the burn offering because the burn offering is, is something that, uh, that they do whenever they kick off a festival, whenever they gather, and it's the aroma that pleases the Lord. But a, a sin offering oftentimes would be directly related to a sin, to a, a guilt offering. And then in this case, in 17, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five lambs a year. This was the offering of Nashon, the son of Abimadad. And so we see this, we see shekels and we see livestock. And then it is copy and pasted all the way through the rest of this chapter. And then we go to the uh, very end here. And it says this in verse 89. So for those of you who are doing slides up there, we're going to scroll down all the way to 89. And it says this. And when Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim, and it spoke to him. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to uh, pick up next week, and Pastor Mike's going to talk about 
the seven lamps and also going to be talking about the cleansing of the, the Levites before they then leave Mount Sinai and are going into the wilderness. But before we go, I do have a question here on the iPad. So thank you to whoever it was that texted in this question. I appreciate it. And it's a question that I think some of you are thinking as well. I don't think just one person's thinking it. And here's the question. Are you guys ready? Why is the book of Numbers important to read through? (laughs) Thank you. So that is a great question. One of my favorite things about the service is that we get to talk about things we normally don't. I mean, really. And Pastor Mike can attest, how many times have we talked about um, the 12 tribes offerings before they leave Sinai on a Sunday morning? My guess is never, (laughs) right? And that's what I love about the service is that it really gets us in the Bible. It gets us through the entire Bible, through God's word here in, in a way that we don't normally do. But I'll quit stalling. I'll actually answer your question. How does that sound? So the reason why the book of Numbers is is so important is because um, if we just kind of zoom back just a little bit and take a look at this this narrative, what's going on? God's people are in Egypt and they're 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 rescued from slavery, and then they're given this land that that God promises them. And some of that in between time between them leaving Egypt and getting their promised land. That in between time is the book of Numbers. And so the book of Numbers is going to chart out, as you can see, in detail. And the reason why it's in detail, the reason why as well, that these tribes' offerings were repeated was because repetition and, and the uh, amount of detail shows the importance that each tribe actually did this this way. And so, yes, so the reason why in 2020 that we are reading it tonight is because we can, we can learn a few things from these, right? We can learn about how God consecrates elements, about how he takes things that are ordinary, and then he has some that are set apart as holy, and we just experience that in communion. And then as well, this idea of offering, this, this whole thought about going to God in, in thanksgiving to be able to make a sacrifice to offer. So thank you for your question. I mean, seriously, really, I appreciate that. And it gives me a nice little bow tie to kind of recap what we had talked about. So with that, would you join me in prayer? Dear God, indeed, we, we do thank you so much for enabling us here to, to gather on this Sunday night and crack open the book of Numbers to be able to read all that all that these people did here about these tribes of Israel. They, they wanted to give you this offering. And so God, we together as well come to you in this offering to give you ourselves, to give you our lives, but as well, Lord, to give you our times, our talents, our treasures, Lord. And so we pray that as we, we leave this place here and we go back into our work week or school week or or the, our family. We pray, Lord, that we can really dwell on these things and, and, and thank you for these things. And all this we pray. Amen.